out there, it's the Holy Hour Podcast. How's it going? I'm here with Donald. I'm just going to say your name this time. How's it going out there, man? It's been a weird day. Ah, I'm bad boying it up. Bad boying it up? Good, good. Hanging in there. It's a weird world, man. You got to bad boy it up. (laughs) So they say. Things are scary. And it's it's a scary episode too. We're it's uh, happy. It's a scary to... <laughs> episode in a scary world, and you got a bad boy up. And your bad boy backing me up. This is one of those episodes, guys, where I was like, "All right." And I said this to Donald like three times because we tend to have about three conversations about episodes before we actually record them. <laughs> I was like, I'm thinking I'm just going to do this episode where I talk about the four years in between Wish <laughs> and Wild Mood Swings. It was a pretty dark, weird four years. It's a, it's a little and more complicated. A, four years is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of time. Because uh, Cure Records are just like, bam, one year, yeah. bam, one year, bam. Up, like, up until this, this point, they'd all been, yeah, and I think we talked about with the Wish one that between um, Disintegration and Wish, it was three years, but we had mixed up, so they hid it well. It was like, there was like Entreat and then mixed up, so it was like lots of little things that just keep you occupied, you know, but like as far as new material, it was right. like barely three years, but this was kind of like a four dark years period. And, the, and I remember like the first initial telling you about this, I was like, and then we could go into this and this that happened in that year. You're like, yeah, good luck with that, man. That sounds boring. <laughs> like, I'm then, already spooked. You're like, I, I don't have anything to do with that. And then like the next time he said the same thing, but then the I'm last time, speculate. yeah, yeah. The last time lot. we talked, you're like, <laughs> you really need to just like bounce that off of me. Cause that's going to be even weirder if it's just you <laughs> alone in a room talking about four dark years. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, it might get dark because it is like four years is like the gap of, of like, yeah, like your whole look at, high school look at career. Look the past four, four years of your life. Yeah, any four-year like, block. You could go all through college if you scary, do it right. Man. Think of think of all the things you've done right and you've done wrong in the past four years. Yeah. Like, that's a lot. Like, this shit changes. Shit. Yeah, you like, would... you, you could pump a baby into someone mm-hmm. and have a four-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's terrifying. Like, a lot of crazy shit could happen yeah. in four years. And man. even parent-wise, like, by a four-year-old, that's like when you're coming out of the, like, whoa, whoa, all right, we got this little human now. They yeah, can, like, cool do now. shit like, and talk. And, like, they can like, wipe their own ass. Yeah, you it's know? like, that's like, you did it it's by four years. Like, <laughs> It's like the start and yeah, and it's like right. And as you get older, it is kind of like you're kind of like four years, whatever. I could time flies so can fast see now. Four I can... years from like a yeah. a perspective of living past four years. Yeah, like as like I'm old. <laughs> Remember when I uh, four years? Like, that's nothing. Ten yeah. years ago, but when like, you're younger too, like four years is an eternity, you know. And it's like yeah, like depending on the 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 part of your life you're at, it's it. It varies a lot because, yeah, now I feel like if you ever got sentenced four years in jail, I'd be like, whatever, well, I could. I can catch up on some books I've been meaning to read. <laughs> it's yeah. not that big of a deal. But, but as a kid, that's like, yeah, you you could go through a, a whole chunk of your education. You could do all kinds of things in four years. And uh, Four years seems like a, t- like a lifetime the older I get. Yeah. Like the, mo- the more – I look at four years as such a precious time. Okay, so maybe it's the reverse, you know, and maybe like it is in, a kid thing. Yeah, it's something to ask you because you you like, do not like have in children. A pers- like look at looking 
being old enough to look back on four years. Okay. With with an old, like I'm like forty one. Uh huh. And looking back at four years, like is heavy. That's a long yeah. time. Like at the time experiencing those four years, it yeah. was a fucking blink of an eye, you know. But yeah, yeah. hopefully being wiser and older, <laughs> you know, looking <laughs> yeah. back on like what did I do with that four years? Yeah, it's it's a good chunk of time for sure, and you know. So. And how old was uh, old Bob Smith? Uh-oh. During this four-year gap, I'm starting to get fuzzy on the math for this, but yeah, we said um, so thirty eighty-nine, thirty-two with Wish. So he's getting mid mid thirties now. So uh, by the time oh Wild Mode Swings comes out, that's kind of what we're basing this all off of. So on the top here, Wish came out April on his birthday, thirty-second birthday, I think it was ninety-two. And Wild Mood Swings won't come out till May of 96. So he was about like, yeah, 36 then, I think, or 35, maybe just turned 36. Um, we'll get into the specifics for Wild Mood Swings. But yeah, like mid-30s. So he's still, you know, a young man. But but at the same time, that's <laughs> it is a different age bracket and a different approach. And, Facing mortality. <laughs> yeah. And there's no denying, and this is not the Wild Mood Swings episode, but it is it leads to it and it's good to keep it in perspective right before we talked you said you're refreshing yourself on some wild mood swings but it's like no matter where you stand as a cure fan there's some clear shift in the band at this point like whether you're like yeah. on board with wild mood swings still being a great album or still has a lot of great songs or is just where the fucking wheels totally came off and a lot of people are in that boat where don't like anything after wild mood swings <laughs> on you know and it's like and I kind of right. see it all, you know, I, I have my stance and it'll be clear <laughs> and Donald has his stance and it'll be clear. But it's like, I think it's pretty clear to everybody that it's just a different chapter in the cure for sure. You know, and I think it's, you know, and kind of the point of this episode is well, what happens in this four years is this maybe would it have been different if they made wild mood swings or whatever the next album would have been right after wish, or, you know, or was this just the inevitable next step? And um, the outcome, or it was just someone taking a fucking break. Yeah, yeah, Had a long overdue <laughs> you know, fucking like, break. The dude's been like reaping shit the out. benefits of their hard work. Yeah, yeah. just like you know, I'm gonna take fucking four years off of. Yeah, I think mean, you know it's nothing, a fucking grind. Nothing wrong with that, and like no, and uh, yeah, but I mean, just seeing the momentum of the band and what it is, and pairing it up from one end of the bridge to the other you know it's kind of interesting i think <laughs> there's a lot to to go into and uh before we hit record we were i'm even... making a follow-up to kiss me kiss me kiss me yeah <laughs> you know and that's yeah because that was immediate with disintegration so it was like okay and then it was like i'm making like, a hey, what follow-up before? to disintegration our biggest album <laughs> so then it's like that's gonna be a fucking challenge so how do you follow up your biggest selling album wish yeah it's just like There's here's how million... i follow it up i don't fucking make one i'm gonna take yeah. some time off but but right it... dude there's just like a million fucking questions yeah with this fucking record like this shit threw me off like wild mood swings yeah we're just like i don't know if i'm gonna yeah. Uh, 
man. They lost me on this shit hard. In case anybody somehow is just chiming into this podcast now, <laughs> I think it's <laughs> fair to just put it on the platter that Donald kind of loses a little faith at this point. Mm-hmm. You, at this point, or you're a little wishy-washy on faith or on uh, wish. Sorry, lose yeah. lose faith on wish on the the last one. But um, I'm still on board. I'm, I feel like Wild Mood Swings is underrated. And we'll get into all that, but it definitely has some like new low points that I've never seen to it. Yeah, nah, (laughs) we're going to save it. We've got a verbal agreement. Chaz is going to come back and hash it out with us. (laughs) After hearing this, he might change his mind, but, uh, but yeah, and I'm not quite sure where he stands on, on wild mood swing. So it'll be cool. He'll be the good. He loves it. I don't know. I think he might be closer to your perspective on it, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a weird album for sure. And it's got like, some shit I love on it and some that I think is clearly the worst stuff they ever recorded. So it's a weird one. Damn. Um, yeah. But, um, but I definitely Let's do go. think it's underrated and I think it takes a lot of shit because of the stuff <laughs> we're about to talk about and whether it's intentional or not, I feel like a lot of people just changed along with the band in that four years. Uh, so one core kind of quick thing, we don't get super personal on this show, but we'll try to keep it to a minimal. But, but, I'm getting personal as uh, shit. Yeah, we kind of wanted this <laughs> to get dark a little, you know, but it's like to us... <laughs> If you follow our timeline and bear with me down, you'll just make this hopefully funner. I'd just be crying if I did this by myself at this point, maybe. But like, but if you look at 92 to 96, and we we talked about how Wish was like the first album that we saw on the tour. You know, we were freshmen in high school, just like mm-hmm. these like fresh young Kiro fans. We got into them in disintegration and just followed the fucking end of that like awesome wave of like, fuck yeah, best band ever. And like had a little hair in a ball. Yeah. We're just like experiencing life and shit, you know, young. like going into the fucking world of high school, you know, that four year gap, the fact As that it's idiots. Yeah. Well, everyone is, right. I mean, I don't feel too guilty about my, dumbness then <laughs> but i was like i, don't, I just, feel no guilt we, at we all. boys in 1992 freshman year <laughs> high school but i feel like it's weird for us and i'm sure a lot of people whatever stage you're at when this 92 came in but it was like not only was it a four-year gap but you know i think of like schooling and four years was the four years of fucking high school you know and it's like totally. all of high school was based on Wish coming out my freshman year and like having Robert Smith and Morrissey basically as my yeah. two dearest friends aside <laughs> from Donald and you know a handful of others, but it's like, you know, they were my crutches for sure, like many of us and and like and it was in a sense, not to get super melodramatic, but kind of my first cure let down in these four years where I'm like where the fuck are they? Like, this is like the first like silence that we've ever had as fans. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I needed you. you. Yeah. you I was like, this is what I need you most. I'm in high school. And like, luckily I hit the back catalog hard. Like, you fuck me, you asshole. But yeah. And I mean, it was cool for like the first couple of years. I, I was like, so much into you. Yeah, I was just like, where are you? <laughs> like, and, you fucked me. And it was just but some hard years. Most. Like even people that, thrived in high school which i don't think it's safe to say we didn't really thrive you know we weren't the types that really really blew it up or anything or like god damn i miss those years but even the people that miss those years 
like it's hard years of anybody in high school i think you know and it's like why a lot of these bands really are dear to our heart was because <laughs> you have this kind of music to get you through it and and it was just like yeah it's fucking painful and i mean and just thinking again of and the people change look, look back at those years fondly yeah it was like fucking yeah, crazy like... you know and it's and it just this show was terrifying. Yeah, and I was like, and you know, thank God we had like like over what, ten years worth of Cure music to get you through that. So I mean, really can't yeah. gripe that much. We had like, you know, all their yeah. darkest great shit to still be there for us. I don't think I don't really ever really remembering being mad at the cure until maybe like 95 no. when i'm like all right this is getting stupid where the fuck's the next record you know like i definitely had enough yeah it was like i was like i was like a, a, a an old man when i got angry at the cure <laughs> yeah. well that's kind of my point was like this shit was just like a fucking a hug it was a cuddle yeah like, if you want to cuddle with some some shit because like, like those points... I, I dug it like you were saying like i dug into my like their back catalog when all this shit started coming out. Yeah. When I when I really needed them. Yeah, yeah. They let me down, but but they had that fucking back catalog mm-hmm. that just like it's golden. <laughs> fucking <laughs> held me through. Yeah. So they did the job. I don't mean to be harsh, yes. but it was definitely like a waiting for someone's phone call kind of deal and but more so <laughs> in the sense of like what we talked about earlier of like how much shit changes in four years and you think about your freshman year towards yeah. your senior year and it's like, Jesus, we changed like so much and like and you know, and I think that's where a lot of gear fans just kind of fucking change before the yeah. wild mood swings came out and then there's like heaps of fans that are probably pubes and boners yeah or you just moved on the different bands especially that kind of scene stuff you know and like music fandom you know yeah like on so many (laughs) levels man yeah i was like (laughs) actually started to have like some kind of real relationships and shit yeah and then like fucking shit you know and and even just on the sense of music (laughs) fandom you got into other bands that you were almost as crazy about and stuff you know you kind of threw it out there because everything was a huge influence at that age and like so you're just kind of plowing through all this shit and uh it's just right crazy you know i had like crazy personal shit by the end of it too that definitely affected it and you know both of us really if you don't mind me airing any of that where it's just like the quick version is like huge horrible car accident and then like my mom died like a year not even a year later and this was all 95 so at the tail end of this again yeah yeah exactly (laughs) where was robert smith i blame (laughs) the cure but i mean you had hard shit with like you know getting you know we moved out of your house by the senior year and shit i mean it's like that's kind of weird shit for a kid to be going through you know just in the sense of like thinking back and even just our friendship like you moved away like sophomore year right because it was like yeah and that was a big deal because i never had like a cure kind of buddy friend that you know we were just like glue <laughs> by that point in high school we're like i don't know yeah, what the fuck's dude. going on but if we're back to back and we could yeah. get through this and you moved away and i was just like what the fuck so now i gotta just listen to these cure tapes by myself at school this is crazy you know and it's like we lucked out in a sense yeah. at least you just moved like, like you know a half hour right? away yeah we weren't going to the same school but we still like ended up probably hanging out more because we would just hang out on the I weekends know. and shit you know but it was like kind of that and yeah. 
and now I want to say like, imagine being a band and doing that. But we were playing music, and we we're a little band. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, and we changed them. Like, just went from playing bad figurehead covers <laughs> to yeah. even by the end of those four years, we actually had original songs we had written and I'd learned guitar, yeah. and we'd you know we'd all changed that much in four years. It's crazy. Yeah. So, and I, and I want to say like. I want to say, like, imagine being a band and, like, how you change in four years. But, <laughs> That's what this but is all about. <laughs> recently, like, my last band, the Golden Girls, you know, like, we lasted, like, four years. Yeah. And we slayed some shit and fucked some shit up and, like, got on some good tours. Like, yeah. And it lasted the whole four fucking years. lifespan yeah, is four years. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so And crazy. I've changed so much in those four years where I like went from like a band like dissolving and like but being a cure level thing of just like any business, any fucking band, anything you care about. Like, what does four years do? Like that's yeah. a long fucking time. It like people throw four years of like People throw time around. It's like, yeah. oh, it just happened like a hundred years ago. Like, look what happened a hundred years ago. Like, yeah, yeah. we're fucking lynching motherfuckers. <laughs> like, shit was fucked uh, up. And it's just like, and I think four years, like, a lot of shit can happen in four yeah. years. Man. And we keep like, even saying four years in the sense that, like, you know, it's just four years of shit happening. But I mean, I think that's the bottom line is that it was so quiet for the first time. You know, there was like right. chunks of time. And we're, what we're going to do in this episode after we get over our wishy-washy memories here is like go through each year and kind of plug in what each Cure fan yeah. had to like cling to in those four years. And it's not too fucking much, and, you know, and it's like. And what you left in that four-year gap. Yeah. You want? Should we go through the years and see what did happen? Fucking get it let's do it <laughs> right. let's go well, let's take it back 92 was a wish right so we we wrap it up <laughs> and as we said in the wish episode the final kind of final kick in the nuts to the band for wish was that the tour started in like right as the album came out in april i think it was and went all the way to fucking november so like that whole year was like bam 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 biggest fucking tour they've done i mean making how that does that money yeah. <laughs> yeah. look at that pesto you know it's just like fucking <laughs> cranking it out simon just really is is a mess by the end of the tour i think we said at the last few shows he you know they even had to get a replacement for a few shows just physically mentally yeah which is just yeah yeah i mean it's it's you see it and at the same time it's kind of <laughs> shocking because he's the fucking you know touchstone rock of the band in a sense you know he's Fuck like the yeah. solid fucker and it's just like whoa if he's like falling apart by that point, you guys definitely just need a break, you know. And and all the bullshit he's put up with, and he was like, <laughs> yeah. "I'm done." Yeah, like, it's like, and it's tough. And then like, like what a crazy band! And someone to go like, ah, yeah, like someone to spend like your boy, like yeah. So that had like, to have been from tough. the beginning, man. Like, cause the whole band was about to be done. Yeah. Because if, if Simon's falling apart in a sense, and you know, and a lot of it's just and personal shit back. that he's, yeah, you know, nothing was official and they're all supportive. And from what I could tell, and it like was, you know, just getting some good right. 
recovery time and stuff at the end of the tour but um <laughs> but i mean yeah i mean taking it from robert's perspective too it's like oh shit what's up with simon lowell's already long gone at this point and moved on or actually in the wish episode we mentioned too that it's it's clear now that lowell's gonna sue the band so that was weighing on him all through recording and touring of wish it's happening yeah so that comes up this again some lowell tower two shit yeah like so, <laughs> so like the ghost of lowell is still lingering and we'll get to that in one of these four years but it's like 93 so uh so yeah wish residue is enough that was such a successful album that they could carry it nobody's gonna question any sounds in early 93 so they're basically riding wish residue and uh the end of the tour everybody's happy shit's kicked ass and they're able to kind of in great <laughs> cure a great cure fashion they're able to milk it a little bit more with uh show and paris come out in 93 and that's kind of the big tie everybody over thing where um, the show that was recorded at Palace of Auburn Hills in Detroit for show, which comes out as a great live album. Uh, I think it's fucking amazing live album. And then Paris comes out like a month later, which is kind of a more deep cuts version of a show recorded in Paris um, from the same tour. But then the, the theatrical actual film show comes out too. Yeah. And that's kind of a weird thing in itself where it's a 90 minute concert film uh, I think this it's fucking great. Yeah, I loved so it. So good. Um, yeah, I, I recommend yeah, show dude. is like a better than the best of. If somebody wants to get into the cure, I kind of yep. feel like get show because it's like kind of rougher <laughs> on the edge versions of some songs that are a little glossier or something. I don't know. It's just it's a better <laughs> mix of songs. And uh, but yeah, apparently Robert was like it was weird because he said we look so boring because we don't move around. <laughs> like he, and then it was in hindsight. I always kind of assumed Tim Pope directed it, but he didn't. Like they had kind of had their falling out by that point. Um, like they ever moved around? Yeah, I know. I was like, you weren't really doing you know that much mean? in an orange either, but yeah, but it was, was more lively somehow. Like... And after he said that, I kind of took that I was like yeah they do seem a little more stiff in that maybe but I mean the songs are so fucking good it's like who cares it's it's more what the cure really does <laughs> yeah nobody's ever and, like, and that's that's uh, that's why like why can't I be you takes me out of shit yeah it's when like gets... why are you running around like an idiot like right it's not what you do just stand like, there just that's stand your there whole and thing get down, yeah, yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's like that's why you're fucking awesome is because you don't have to dance around and shit, you know? So, yeah, I get that. But, I mean, it also might explain why show never came out on any kind of DVD or any release other than VHS at this point, which is shocking still. I mean, you could go I'm on all day. I'm down but... with just, like, the audio. Like, yeah. I'd rather have that than... Yeah, I mean, I'd... I don't want to see him. I do. I mean, it's done. It's not like it's... <laughs> like, it was never made. That's what kind of bothers me when shit's, like, out there, but it's not out there. You know, it's like, <laughs> fucking put it out. Who cares? I mean, it's not like you can George Lucas it and hide it from the world at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's it's there. It's fucking done. We all watched it. We all loved it. So why not just put it as, like, a... And hopefully, you know, that it will just eventually be, like, a disc that he puts in a reissue somewhere you know you don't have to do a fucking epic re criterion collection or you know i mean it's just like just fucking put it out you know it's not a big deal but but yeah i mean live wise 
93, they only played one show the whole year. So that kind of shows where the band as a dynamic was at, too, coming off of. <laughs> even though they put out show and all this live shit, it's all. Because they sucked. Well, they didn't exist, really. I think the structure. Yeah, they really didn't the, exist. the structural damage was already there, even though it officially hadn't been announced. It was pretty clear Pearl wasn't coming back. Simon's still kind of piecing together. He was wishy-washy, I bet. Like, Simon was like, yeah, I mean, I think he's just in full-on recovery mode, and then Pearl's more wishy-washy, where it's just like, yeah, I think I'm done. And then Boris, we know, is leaving, but I don't think it's official yet, but it, it seems probably pretty clear there, too. I'm sure they discussed all this shit on the never-ending tour, you know? It's probably pretty clear. Yeah, well, they're all kind of like, we definitely need a break after this, I think, you know, which would be understandable if you toured from April till December, you know, it's like, how could you not, you know, but, um, so I think it's going to be like a pretty clear break there and, um, yeah, and and then that looming lull shit that comes up and I'll probably say this more than once, yeah. but I think. And it, there was a direct quote from Robert, and I had a better placement for it, but, I mean, it's something that's super apparent is that if this is where success gets you, I don't know if I want it because it means that, right. like, Lowell's fucking suing him now, the dude that's, like, his founding member with him and buddy from childhood, you know, and it's just he like... said that? Robert, it was, like, one of the early things where he's just like, if this was a success is, I don't know if this is worth like, it. Sweet. And that's and it's, cool. it's kind of, like, probably yeah. in all their minds, like, you know, like, fun. are we gonna... Who's gonna be next? You know, it's gonna be somebody else. Like, is Simon gonna end yeah. up fucking suing me now? Or, you know, or, you know, is the whole thing gonna just get nasty for all of us? So they probably wanted to just all kind of bow out what was good you know wish was like the fucking yeah. we did it we all made an album we liked and it sold well <laughs> and, it had and like a just, beautiful catalog yeah everything to that point was like bam, like bam 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 so fucking many fucking good records undeniable like, hey are we to get dumped together yeah and make garbage records right and you don't want mm-hmm. it to be like one of those things where you all one at a time slowly start turning on each other you know like a heist movie or something you know <laughs> it'd be terrible so i mean so the cracks in the foundation are definitely there so then they move on the only other one of the few shining moments of the four years is that burn is recorded but it doesn't come out till 94 so we'll stay tuned and talk about that next year but uh purple haze remember the purple haze song that came out the cover of the Jimi hendrix it's kind of dumb yeah i mean it was like i don't know i thought it was cool yeah knowing that they did something there's two versions the other one like a trippier one came out on joining the dots but knowing what they made around that time if like why not like there's better things that you could yeah. Like, whilst it was fun, you and it, could have put in, like, a nice B-side, like... Yeah. Well, this is like, the total uh, one-off, and it was, like, turns out it, it's like, we'll find out with Burn in a minute, that uh, Robert basically did everything. The band didn't even play on it. It was just him and the producer. So it, it was very on par with, like, oh, the later this is stuff. When he sold out. No, right? I mean, he just played it because right? they asked him like, to do it in the band. I think it's because the band thought I'm, there wasn't play, a band I'm right making now. making <laughs> songs for movie soundtracks right now. It's a tribute right, album, man. Right, time where he was Yeah, like, yeah, so there's a few of these in this tributes. It's a tribute. I made so much money. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just a one-off. If somebody asks you to just do a fucking cool Psh, home record. Yeah. yeah, it's just like whatever. No, it's like a whole like <laughs> movie's like, hey, do you want to? Well, he doesn't even know if I'll he has a band anymore at this point. So why not? He's not going to get, you know, 
Simon out of bed to do this when he's clearly going through some shit and like he's like you know just doing it he shouldn't have called it the cure maybe I don't know maybe he should have just done Robert Smith <laughs> as he's done in later years where he just does it as like a solo thing you know but you know whatever the fuck but um yeah it's cool I don't know I don't really give a shit that much about the original so it's like whatever to a Hendrix fan it'd be probably a little more personal but the rest of that soundtrack the rest of that tribute's a complete piece of shit as like Eric Clapton and Spin Doctors Buddy Guy Pete Matheny Pat Matheny I mean um oh, Belly had a cool one are you experienced they did a cool version oh. of that but. Yeah, so I don't know. It's just kind of. I one love of those Jimi things. Hendrix so much. You know, <laughs> yeah, like this terrible tribute to him. Um, yeah, <laughs> you're offended by being a diehard Hendrix. I'm going to listen to like uh, terrible versions of. Yeah, <laughs> well, this is really weird though. Like, nah. that was a money grab. That was a. Oh, no, well, he's been on the record of being a Hendrix fan since the start, so that makes sense. I'd be like, you know. Makes total sense. He, somebody asked him to I, do a song, he'd do it. You know, it's not a big deal. I'm not but. faulting him. <laughs> I mean, you you got to make some money when you're like going four years. Yeah. Between yeah. Cover like that four year records, cover like, that. You got to fucking tap dance. Cover that like, fucking court case that's coming up. You know. <laughs> so anyway, ninety four. That wraps you up ninety three. Prep- like four years. That was it. Yeah. He was prepping for that shit. Maybe he, he maybe knew. Yeah. If you know someone that. Like for so long, yeah, and they fucking turn on you. Like it's gonna be dark. So that's coming up ninety four. We got the brightest moment of the gap and I the darkest say, like, moment in ninety four. First, we'd come out is Burn, the release on the Crow soundtrack, a fucking awesome song that most Cure fans are on board <laughs> with. Uh, again, slightly just Robert Smith though. It turned out Robert Smith was the only one that played on it, other than him and Boris, and it's Boris's last song. And they actually there's like the one with the dope drum. Yeah, and Boris just played the beat apparently, and uh, Robert just kind of jammed over it and wrote the song. It was initially taken from the idea that the comic he was a big fan of the Crow comic, and they wanted to use apparently in the comic in the scene where he's turning into the Crow, they use Hanging Garden and actually write the lyrics for like Hanging Garden. Fuck yeah! And they asked him for permission, I guess, and to use it in the movie. And he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, fuck yeah, I want to write a new song because I love the crow so much <laughs> and usually that's like oh, can we just use Hagen Garden <laughs> but uh, in this case it worked out great because he wrote fucking Burn and it's a great song and that scene is amazing yeah it's like and I love that's the last of fucking boys. yeah that's pretty rad that's like a nice one to to go a out sign off yeah like, really... I respect that guy so much I've learned yeah. so much like no one has ever, ever just rocked out like writing a beat of a whole song. Yeah, you know, it's just like fucking toms, and it's like melodic. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he like, just I, fucking slays. I've learned so much from him. And the beat man. is like a like, song in itself, you know. And then it's like you, you throw yeah. anything else on top of it, and that's usually. I mean, it's a huge part of it for sure. And then, then there's yeah. a strange quote from Robert. I think I got from Never Enough. Most of these quotes and stuff are taken from the Never Enough book. But uh, he he said that it was really strange in the sense that he just played the song over Boris's beat, trying to write something. And he's like, that's how much of the top was written was over just like him and Andy like playing like a beat because he got you know Andy was pretty much the only other person that played on the top recordings. Yeah. And um, 
and then it's just weird to me because one of my main points of wild mood swings later will be that it has a lot of strange parallels to the top for me and i'll get into more detail on that but um so some yeah and uh, i think there is some topness even though boris won't be around unfortunately for wild mood swings but anyway, uh, Burn, amazing song, never played live, though. And maybe it is because nobody else played on it at that point. So after this point, they never play it until, like, the Voodoo Festival in New Orleans in 2013. And then it became a <laughs> pretty regular one on the 2016 tour that we saw, which was awesome. And everybody was fucking on board to hear that. You know, it was definitely the like... The crowd is just coming. Yeah, it was like, the, <laughs> I think, everybody's fucking favorite moment of every show, pretty much. You know, it was just like... So good. But um, yeah, I mean, I wonder if it was because nobody else really had any attachment to it because they weren't actually on the fucking recording, you know? So it's one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, maybe that's why he never played it. Because it always seems so strange, like even on the Wild Mood Swings tour and shit. Yeah, I was like, why would you not? That That song rules. Yeah, it's so weird. Why would That song hits hard. Like, and they clearly can do it. But yeah, for some reason, just never dug it up until then. But, um, yeah, so 94, too, aside from that shining moment of the crow, it gets pretty dark pretty quick. There are no live shows the whole year of 94. Boris officially leaves, uh, kind of cited as he's going to play with his girlfriend, Caroline Crawley, and her band, but I think it was more just kind of the, I want to just get out, out of this. Yeah, <laughs> like, not in any bitter way. Definitely everybody's on go good terms. But France. yeah, I think it was like a smaller show, just getting away from this fucking massive stuff. Pearl officially leaves. Legit, do whatever they wanted. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what they're doing. They're like, it would be funner just play some small shows and do stuff like that. And speaking of doing what you want, Pearl, I think it pretty much confirmed he was already out by '93. But um, Pearl leaves to play with Plant and Page. Two of my personal heroes. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I you know, and then he said this time when. When Poro left, we were shaking hands and smiling. And, you know, of course, why would he not go play with his heroes and record with them and then do the tour in 95? So it's the last we'll see of Poro till Trooper till 413. And then Simon is still on the rock, so we don't really know what's up with him. Uh, but he's laying low in 94 yeah. and uh, just getting better. And then the ultimate darkness comes in February 94. Lowell's court case officially starts. That'll last from February till September, so like pretty much the whole fucking year, and it gets crazy intense, constant it's like the worst year lawyer talk that seems to really just hit Robert hard. Where he's like, I've never talked to lawyers so much in my life and stuff like that. Where it's just like, you know, what's conducive to like making uh fucking noise and art yeah exactly legal bullshit nothing will kill the art boner quicker than being in court from (laughs) february to september so uh to to, to put it in donaldish terms but but uh no art boner is a thing yeah i think it's a thing right but um but uh yeah it's like and and it's just crazy how i remember reading every printed anything that the cure said from disintegration up and there's just so much like robert and the band joking and making fun of lol at this point in the press where it's just like yeah that right that bridge is like as burned as it can fucking get this is a, they're never gonna be cool again and this is like horrible and i mean just following that from a from a kid fan perspective was like this is pretty nuclear and um 
So yeah, I mean, it was like considering just ending the band. Like I said earlier, he said that, uh, you know, what the fuck is the point of this? Everybody's like, you know, gonna bow it's out at done. some point. So we lost Poro anyway. We lost Boris. And we lost even David Allen, the yeah. producer. Um, we lost all the good things. Basically, about. fell out. Yeah, and that's kind of. I've, I've said in past episodes where he's kind of the unsung yeah. hero. I think I don't know what the fuck this dude's deal is because no one ever talks about him, but. Uh, Dave Allen, the co-producer of the golden era for me, anyway, from like Head on the Door through uh, Wish, apparently had some kind of falling out in the Wish production phases where they weren't happy with some of the way stuff came out in Wish and went back and forth. So he's pretty much done and won't come up again. So that's a pretty big loss, I think. you hear the difference. Yeah. And that's definitely going to be a huge thing I want to bring up with Wild Mood Swings was just like, the production shit for better or worse something's just not there you know just like it's not the the right sounds and tones and you know yeah. and it's just like you know and it's, it's like, always good to try different stuff but at the same time I, it's I, like ah, i don't know it just doesn't yeah and this dude fucking had his finger on the pulse for sure it's hard to say because you know robert right. smith is really kind of carrying the ship but at the same time something i don't know you don't just stumble I, into four albums like that without you know what I mean? It's like it just doesn't really I make think, sense. I think like Robert Smith is like he's always been very like I'm gonna do what I want to do. Yeah. And now like in these four years, like everyone has tons of money. Like yeah. everyone that was in the band, like leading up to it, like because they hit it hard and they like I think they made a lot of oh yeah through wish and disintegration and, like and they could kind of say like and hey, now i'm kind of done mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm yeah yeah high. i think everybody was like just kind of like you know and that's why i'm saying they're they're leaving it yeah. isn't like you know any of these are bad terms as far as i know you know it always seems it seems like all of them are like yeah we, we had a good run I'm, yeah. I'm stepping out while it's good i don't want it to get ugly and shit you know so yeah Definitely and respectable. The, and these are the songs that you make yeah. when you have that luxury, you know? Yeah. And going back to the loldness of it, you know, is that nobody <laughs> wants it to get to this point, you know? And I think it's That's just what like, he wrote about. Yeah. Like, well, he was like, this album's a diss album. <laughs> Maybe. Like, I don't to know. Lull, it should have been think, more. I need, really. I need I to mean, listen like... to the... Uh, <laughs> the second half of it. Yeah, I, I mean, if he had made it more but blatant, I think this it probably would have like, been a better really... album, I think, because it's like clearly, how could this not be pissing him off? Yeah, like a fucking rap album where he just <laughs> destroys Lowell. But, but, uh, but even with the Lowell case, I mean, it's not really fair to just harp on him through this, because if you read his book, which most Cure fans have, you really do see that even he's apologizing for how ridiculous all this was, and it admits that it's all out of bitterness, but in the sense of cure history, we do have to admit this is the one time that it's like, what the fuck, lol? Like, he was suing for more royalty money, even though he's getting shit yeah. from disintegration, which paid for this court trial, probably. You know, the album that we all know he didn't do anything on. And it's like, and and then even the cure name, that was like the more insulting kind of part, I think, that was really like, uh, it was like he was like suing for like ownership of the name. So, like, technically, if. Lowell had won, like, Robert might not have even been able to use the fucking name The Cure anymore. Anyway. Some hot topic shit. Yeah, he's like, trying to get It's like he's going to form a different band with The Cure name. Money. Yeah, I don't know. And it's just like, it's like, what? And 
and it was kind of sad because like Robert had all these quotes where it was like, I just tried to avoid court so much, like in the Never Enough book. He just all these direct quotes where he's saying, yeah. it's like, I tried to just even tell Lowell or his people, it's a waste of time, it's a waste of money. You're not gonna win, Lowell. You're not gonna win, and. And uh, so they battle on for a year. It's gonna be worse for you. Yeah, and it's and you know, guess what? Yeah, Lowell loses. <laughs> Lowell's left with like a million dollar, it was like roughly a million dollar legal bill. But luckily, they had been making so much. He had been making so much money at that point that he actually could pay for it. Hard times would come later. He gets a divorce. A million is. Yeah. So, and then he admits in his book again that it that was a horrible idea, and it was mostly done out of bitterness. You think? (laughs) So, so I think so. Yeah. That's what he said. He was like, "Yeah, that was dumb. It was out of bitterness, and that's all part of his redemption." So, if anybody wants to read the full story, it's very well written and awesome book. So, definitely get Lowell's Cured book. It's like. uh, just tells the tale of hitting hitting rock bottom and you know how they do fix the friendship and i think everybody in the band even he seems pretty cool with everybody again and it just shows wow all right i guess he can overcome this shit but just for the moment of being a little bit harsh and um you know i think everybody is on board with you know lowell had a fucking Huge part to play in those early things and is, you know, a sweet dude and the book tells all that too. But in this case of this moment in 1994, it was shitty in the sense and somebody brought it up and so much bashing <laughs> goes on fucking online still. Even when I see it, I'm like, come on, man, fucking it's done. Get over it. You know, like people be like, fuck lol and all this. And but like one dude actually threw out a comment. He was like, he's like, but the worst part of the whole court case was that it. it <laughs> fucking killed the band and momentum wise and ruined everything totally. they did from then on and i was just like whoa in a sense i mean i don't know if i agree with it all the way through like but record 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 yeah record, but i mean there record, is like, a little bit of truth to that and it's like, like and it's hard to say because like like we're saying at this you point your shit yeah fast and that's and to be fair, like, like we're saying, though, like they were probably just going to take a pretty long break at this point anyway. So you don't know. But during that break, he doesn't need to be doing a fucking court case for a year. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And it's like, and if you look yeah, at the momentum of the band, Disintegration was their biggest fucking album. Wish did great. You know, it was like a platinum album. Yeah, the Friday totally. Below is fucking huge. And it was like Wish came out in the money grab period. Yeah. So, I mean, technically, if they fucking just waited two years or whatever the minimum was at that point, I think everybody was kind of already shifting to that kind of thing through the 80s. Everybody yeah. was putting out an album every year. By that point, I think everybody was kind of at least doing an album like every two or three years. But it was like a money grab time period. And they like fucking, they could have fucking made some money like as a band yeah they're dealing with like fucking lol like yeah yeah i mean and in that sense of what what we talked about earlier with the dirtiness of it maybe that was a factor of kind of unconscious subconsciously or consciously of like why boris and pearl and everybody bowed out anyway yeah because they were like we don't want to get to this point like robert saying is this success if this is it if this is what it means to to be on top then we don't want to do that you know and 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 it does kind of suck because i mean maybe the dude did have a valid point online by bashing well in that regard he's like he fucking really sunk the boat in a sense because it was like 
Damn. Hashtag that dude, man. It's <laughs> like, I mean, it's so harsh, and you know, knowing all the shit that was going on, it is harsh. But at but the same time, that's how I feel about like, yeah. that big transition in those four years where they went. Yeah, and if nothing else, like he's too distracted to write songs or great songs. You know what I mean? Like, it's just something to think about, especially with the perspective of the band and momentum you know but who yeah, knows dude. maybe they would have just kind of done wild mood swings that's kind of our million dollar question that we'll say over again at the end but it's like would this have been the album they had made next anyway or did all these four years matter who knows? of course but i think a huge part of it it's this for you it's this uh kind of dirtiness of this trial yeah how could that not affect you know the band and and just the way that time goes on like we're saying with the scene and stuff by them like throwing a fucking you know flat tire in the bus at that point yeah it slowed the band down for sure because then they couldn't just keep progressing with the times and stuff because it's just like wrapped up in a fucking court case so that does suck you know but um and if i think if my rough math is right you know they won't kind of mend their friendship until another six years maybe which is still kind of surprisingly short (laughs) for how severe all this really was but i don't know but if I started lashing out at you, yeah, like Lil did, like that'd be crazy. You'd be fucked up because you're like, yeah, you'd be like, what? You make you so mad and just heartbroken, you know? I mean, yeah. it's like your buddy, your kid, you know? The whole fucking first chapter of the books about how they like, get on the school bus why are you together, changing? you know, little kids. Why you know? are you changing yeah, for the like, worst? That's just so sad, dude. Yeah. It's like you never want to see that. Everyone's just so happy that everything's cool again, yeah. you know? It's like, so I mean, I, I don't even mean that I feel bad bringing it up, but I mean, it, it's fucking history and it, it's the yeah, way it dude. is. But at the same time, it's like, that was just a, a big monkey wrench in it, you know? It's, it's just and he really unfortunate. So, yeah, I mean, definitely read the book if anybody's, like, kind of unsure or whatever because it really does paint the full picture that there was a lot going on on both sides of the spectrum, you know? And Well, let's move on from the little trial. We all know how that went. It's just so, heavy, uh, man. I don't like Yeah, like I said, it's dark times, man. It is. Nobody said this episode would be <laughs> chipper. This is the dark episode. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, let's move on to 95-ish. This is where it gets a little more clouded. Cause, That's uh, when I got my first boner. Yeah, this is the first 95. Oh, yeah? This winter. A, oh, that was, really? You're like senior year of high school? Or, <laughs> might might want to check the math on that again. But, no, I'm but, no, oh, all right. Well, get on you, man. <laughs> better, better than than never. Um, ninety four ish. Uh, I wrote this one as ninety four ish into early ninety five, and then into ninety six. So this all kind of blends. Like even during, I guess, the end of the court trial, maybe. Robert somewhere gets the spark of the bug to record again, even though there's no side of life around him anywhere and like this horrible shit going on. I guess he feels like he has enough songs or at least just has the desire to like, you know, we're going to do it. Let's make a a new album. Yeah. And then there's something in that, but then like going back to what we said of like Pearl's out, Boris is out. Um, what do we got? So basically Perry is his, Oh, and Simon's kind of on the table. We don't know what's up with Simon at this point. And it's so like basically Perry's it's dope. 
Perry. Yeah, the it's dude. Robert and Perry, the dude that was just like, oh, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> like, so he now is like fucking he right hand man. That like truth. <laughs> yeah. It's like just in the span of one album, he's like now the fucking co-captain. That must have been terrifying. The it's like, what do you think like, of what? this guitar part? <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, how about playing all of Porl's parts? From the last, he's like, oh, I know, like, playing like, like all this crazy, darling. I kind of wanted to play some low keyboards, you know, so, but uh, yeah, but uh, Perry takes it on, man, he's a good sport, and um, so Robert's unhappy, man. Yeah, and like I said earlier, David Allen's out, so Robert kind of knows that if he's going to do a new record, he's got to find a producer because he doesn't want to do it totally on his own. Um, so he starts like I th- there was some backstory and never enough of like he ends up going to this or that, and somehow he ends up meeting uh, Steve Lyon, who had become the producer of Wild Mood Strings, uh, Mild Mood, Mild Mood Swings. <laughs> That's my emo band name. Wild Mood Strings. <laughs> But uh, basically Steve Lyon worked with Depeche Moon and I guess maybe through Perry and like his brother who would be like their tour dude that all the all the uh, touring fans know more about Daryl Bamonte. So there's a strong Depeche Mode connection. And I guess Steve Lyon produced a bunch of the awesome Depeche Mode albums Mm and it kind of went on record being like not a huge Cure fan. And Robert liked that. He was like, oh, cool. We'll try something different. So the Steve Lyon dude's kind of like officially signed on, but you know, they're still feeling out a ton of initial ideas. And this kind of gets into what we normally would do is the pre story of like the wild mood swing stuff. So we're kind of, we might recap some of this when we do wild mood swings, but uh, just for the sake of us leading to where we are in this four year (laughs) gap, there's um, there's like, yeah, it gets complicated because there was a few like scrapped ideas apparently of like Wild Mood Swings. Initially, he thought maybe we should do it all as like an acoustic album, not like The Cure Unplugged, but just you know, because there is like tons of acoustic guitars on it again and shit. Like, way better, yeah, it might have been because it was like initially, I'm kind of like, you're not like seniors at this point, you know, like why, you know, but at the same time, whatever you want one yeah and And when you hear and like the album was even going to be called bear that's where that last song bear comes from i guess where it was like going to be more bear because it's acoustic and that sounds like straight up a care yeah so i don't know about that idea but like end and he's gonna restart doing bear bear. (laughs) i knew you would like that (laughs) based on the last episode i knew you would put a little star next to that i was like donald would love the literal take on this but i mean when you do listen to like jupiter crash and like this is a lie you kind of see how maybe that was the case and um you know maybe not such a terrible idea some theme might have been better than no theme they kind of went with the no theme theme for wild mood swings where it's like that's why it's crazy because there's no you know the mood swings thing where it's like it's all over the fucking place You've and that's like this record more than i have like I can't yeah, think of definitely, but, but well, do you think it's fair that like this album is strange in the sense because Wild Mood Swings or uh, Wish kind of did it where it went back to the Kiss Me formula of like it's poppy but dark but still had a mood, you know? And it's like that's what the Cure's fucking excels at is having like an atmosphere and a mood for each album, not so much a theme even maybe, but just like a mood with the recording. But like the mood is all over the fucking it's place. It's fair. 
Yeah, and I think and, it is just because it was record, recorded so sporadically and it has so many like convoluted parts and stuff, you know, and it's just like, but they kind of tried to embrace that as like, it's like just a diverse all over the place album, like but I don't know. Yeah, and it's like, that's why I kind of feel like if they did do the acoustic thing, it almost like some theme would have been better than the no theme theme, you know? Totally so I don't know. Like, it's all speculating. Years, but like, if you weren't dealing with fucking Lowell dragging your fucking ass down and like taking up all your time, <laughs> you could right. have constructed like one. Some kind of theme or mood, have, yeah. Like, I would, like, this is always where I want to. I, I wish it was just like an orchestral. I've talked about this, yeah, previously, but like after which, just like an orchestral, like, yeah. like just vocals and like strings and shit, like just a whole record of yeah. that, like that would have been. What's well, funny you mentioned that because I stumbled across some stuff some that shit. thought that maybe that was actually a possibility and uh, I re- so we'll get to that in a minute but no, like I, um, I read about that. Like, did you catch that with yeah, like dude. Dread Song and all that too? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute but like and there is like tons more like string shit on there like this is a lie and stuff and yeah and uh, I'll definitely get into that more but like there's the alternate like version of this is a lie that's on uh join the dots that i think is way better it's like all strings and like nothing until like yeah some dude. acoustic guitar comes in near the end and then like a very end some drums but it's like yeah all just him singing over it. it's so much better i mean that's like almost like a fucking single like wow that's like like why didn't you that put song. that out yeah and it's just so weird and we'll get into that too we're just like the mixing picking what was picked it's like everything's just so scattered with wild mood swings but even before the final product that just that process of wild mood swings just in the early stages okay it's not an acoustic album i think that kind of went out the uh, the window with the idea that um roger comes back he had sent him some demos and he was like all right i don't know um there was some talk of like roger by the end of disintegration not getting along with poro or boris which is weird um it's hard to say what but like there was some mention of that and stuff but then if they're gone then maybe that's the reason why he came back (laughs) so roger's back and he's throwing all kinds of keys and shit on stuff. So that kind of ruins the acoustic idea, I think maybe. (laughs) Um, But at the same breath, Simon commits, he's back in action now and he's like, all right, let's fucking do this, which is definitely like a saving grace. I think, cause I've not confirmed a lot of them, but a lot of the best songs I think on wild mood swings are like based off of Simon demos and shit. So like, finally he's like, all right, let's do this. Maybe not work in the full capacity. Let's do it. Yeah, and it's like because there are some fucking rad bass lines on Wild Mood Swings, and I'll get to that too. And it's like, all right, my boy's back in action, you know. And it's like the fucking stallion, he isn't down, he's back, you know. He just needed to make a fucking pop song, asshole. Yeah, he needed a he needed a reasonable two year break, you know. That's understandable. So yeah, well, you know, he's he's a fucking trooper, man. He's back. He took his breather, and now he's like. Back in the saddle, so that's good. Right, dude. But, um, but if you've been playing yeah. music for someone, playing music with someone for so long, yeah, and have like a a very intense relationship, you know, like it's just like yeah, like you know, knowing someone and then doing business uh, with someone. Mm-hmm. I feel like 
there's a lot of business going on and I think that tainted the whole record, you know? Like people had to make big decisions in the band. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe. it's like I love you, but am I still like this is saying stupid. that Simon maybe jumped the gun, but he was just doing it because he's like the business side of it, or it's like I gotta get back to work kind of thing or No, but he he had to make the decision. And I think the whole yeah. everyone in the band had to make that decision of just like Yeah. Is just, is this just for like, you know, playing music and making art, or yeah. do we continue on this like, this money, <laughs> you know, making yeah. money? You know? And I don't, well, I don't think it's so much the money thing, but it is but a job, and, and it is s- your what you're passionate about. You know, I mean, I'm sure yeah, it's not like, like they're like, oh, but you, I, I think that maybe the better and bigger from question. Doing what you want. Uh-huh. You know, well, that's what I mean. Maybe the bigger and better question is that not so much that like we need to get back into the the workforce as like more is that the clock is ticking as we've right. said from the start. But in a sense, maybe it would have been better to wait even longer. Dare I say? You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> the the problem the problem with Wild Moonswings is that it somehow still ended up being kind of rushed, even though yeah. we keep talking about how long this gap was. It's still after four years. Is, it sounds rushed. Yeah, and it's because what well, it is because a fucking year of it was wasted on the Lowell trial, and yeah. a fucking year was wasted on just dicking around with show and yeah. doing whatever. You know, I mean, it's like so far we've seen like a lot of it isn't really you know is like well deserved time off, but at the same time, when it gets down to production time or whatever, like, they just didn't have the fucking concept of the, the full like, not prep like, that they normally are making records in France. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like, mean, they were in the like zone a, in the old it, ones. Yeah. It's like a stress. And so you're like, just, you know, all this yeah. a stress situation with all this bullshit. But, uh, along those lines of the drummer, that's the other big fucking wrinkle in <laughs> like whatever the fuck at this point, Robert has decided to start recording without even having a drummer. He's kind of just resided to the idea of like getting a session drummer for the album. He's like, well, whatever, Boris you know, is gone. yeah, Boris is gone. So, I mean, I think fairly early in it from when I, I don't know, it's like hard cause to piece the full timeline cause it was so stretched out. But I mean, Cause half of like, there's a good chunk of wild mood swings and I'll get into the specifics more when we do the actual album of like, which songs aren't even Jason on it. There's actual songs on wild mood swings that aren't even him, but they did like auditions, like while they're recording the album and some of the B sides are like kind of the audition songs and shit, even <laughs> like three or four, <laughs> like, like drummers that aren't, you know, you never hear from again, but they yeah. played on like a B side or something. And, I think he redid a few. So he's on the majority of the album, but like, but yeah, so they get like auditions going. And, and of course it all leads to the eventual hiring of Jason Cooper, um, who turns out was like a huge cure fan, but he kind of kept it not known like through the whole like hiring process he and kind of played dumb. Dude. Nah. Yeah. Like, apparently they said no, like, no metal heads was in the standards. <laughs> like don't be a metal guy. <laughs> yeah. Which is fucking perfect. And, and I lo- I love Jason Cooper's <laughs> drumming. I think it's great. It's definitely different than Boris's, yeah. but I mean, like, I think he nails all the parts. He's perfect. I, I think he un- definitely kind of like a Wild Mood Swings as an album. I think he kind of unfairly gets lumped into this whole time period, and people like the drumming's fucking 
beautiful on that record. Yeah, they like, kind of make him like the easy target because it's the difference, you know, and they're like, oh, that's the uh, reason why it doesn't work. And I don't think that's the case. I mm. think there's... I think he really does some cool shit. I feel like maybe some production shit where I don't like the way the drums sound on a lot of yeah. the songs, but like I don't really know how much of I mean, that's probably just as much Robert to blame on that as the producer or Jason, yeah. you know, or just like that's he's just fucking playing it, like, you know. It doesn't sound like it used to. Yeah, yeah, and it's just and different, you know. You can't like because. Yeah, and I mean, of all the live shit, I've never heard like a live one where I'm like, eh, like some of them just as a band, they don't sound as great as it did. But I mean, I've never been like, he's just totally fucking up that low beat, you know? He nails it. I think it's. Uh... So you cool with the drum beats then? Being a drummer, I was. Actually... I mean, I know it was a hard blow, like transitioning from Boris, like all of us. But did he grow on you? Did you just kind of like? associate him with the times like i was saying or uh, where do you stand with him and yeah every song apparently knew the fucking back catalog going into it too you know it's like they pulled out way more obscure shit with him on board than boris ever did you know i'm sure boris could do it if he wanted but (laughs) you know but it's just kind of cool that he's able to do it all you know it's like yeah 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 at this point, it's funny too. He's been the drummer longer, probably than any of them. I know. <laughs> a lot of the active yeah. years or whatever, you know, however you want to do it. But it's like I think he's probably maxed out all of them for sure. It's a... <laughs> so they got this drummer, and now we're getting into like the actual early recording stages. But the cool, weird twist was somehow before while they're recording this, and I think that's one of the kind of weird factors of however you want to take it with wild mood swings is it is one that they just fucking are in the studio for like the whole 95 like the whole year the album doesn't come out till 96 so i mean they just spent like a year in the fucking studio on this thing you know? and when it's this like mansion in wales and we're I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and it wasn't like, like they're just being frivolous. Year. It sounds like they're just like Crazy. shit, just like patching shit. Yeah, it's so weird because it seems like they just threw it together in a sense. And but that's like, what you while, did yeah, I don't year. know, man. But it's a year, and in that year though, somehow they recorded during these sessions and released within that year. Better songs, maybe. <laughs> no, worse. <laughs> we got a couple more little uh, ones to tie us over. Uh, Young Americans, the David Bowie cover, somehow was recorded for some weird XFM compilation thing. Chris Perry. Every time I read about it, I get kind of bored and confused. I don't really know some like radio station thing that Chris Perry was starting to put together. And uh, so Robert Smith was like, "Yeah, of course I love David Bowie. Let's record this song." He said initially he wanted to do it like as an acoustic cover. Maybe he was on his acoustic acoustic bugs. Is that that point you know that but acoustic. yeah maybe a little better i'm not too crazy about the actual bowie song young americans it's fun but i don't know you know it's a little and then their cover is kind of ridiculous too i mean it's it's exactly like the song pretty much but like the cure doing it so i think however you feel about young americans in general is how you would feel about the cure's cover of young americans but i think I could... you're a terrible person for not liking for... that fucking song you love that song? I love that really? fucking song. And I love oh, the fucking... Yeah. I love, kind of like, annoying, Bowie's... <laughs> I love Bowie's jam. And, yeah, and I, I mean, on the right day. Like, cover, it was... <laughs> I think it was... You're on board. Um, huh. of, it's a very sweet cover of a song, like, be it be it The Cure or Bowie or whatever. It's, it's a very sweet... 
It's a very sweet cover, and you're a dick. All right, cool. Well, I'll take the, <laughs> I'll take that. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's kind of annoying. What did like, you like about just, it? Why would you not like that? A, it's kind of an annoying song to me. I don't know why. It just doesn't sound very. I like the like, but like, right? Yeah. right? <laughs> well, I love it. I'm glad that you like a peppy, weird Cure and Bowie song, and I don't. So that's good. It's like <laughs> you're a creep, goofy man. I it. just learned this all, about you. It's all you, goofy man. on that. Yeah, well, there you go. What about Dread Song? How do you feel about that one? Do you (laughs) recall that one even? (laughs) It came out for the Judge Dread's soundtrack, uh, the Sylvester Stallone hit film from nowhere. uh, Apparently, Robert Smith was, again, a very big fan of the comic. (laughs) The movie flopped. The song's horrible, in my opinion. One of the worst Cure songs ever written. <laughs> I know Chaz likes it, so I'll try not to be too harsh. <laughs> but, but, uh, I like the drums too, on it, like the like the program drums, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. I don't know if that it, was a real drummer. I feel like it was like drum machines. Probably was, yeah, because it was probably in those early stages. I can't recall off the top of my head. I kind of like that about this song. Going back to your earlier orchestral idea of the band though in the Mm -hmm. join the dots liner notes he Mm -hmm. said this was the one we overreached our orchestral abilities on because the the strings are off the fucking chart on this like what are they doing it's like they're playing like a whole different song it's like it's like he's just like never say it's over it's like so much strings going on it's like hard yeah, Imagine and that kind of goes back to what we made fun of with the um, torn down, where it's like yeah. sounds like the fucking Batman soundtrack or something. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, what is, what like is going on? It's like, yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's just like everything's like just so dramatic. It was like, stop it. Like, yeah, take a like, breath, assholes. It's like he's being all like, kind of goes back to my not liking fight that much too. He's just being way too inspirational. Like, I don't yeah, want Robert Smith down. to ever tell me things are going to be okay. It's like, no, you're not the dude I turn to when I want to feel positive like, about stop something. This record. Like, <laughs> yeah, give like, me what I need. <laughs> And I always love that everybody, like, when they talk about this song, they go, it's the best part of Judge Dredd. I'm like, wow, it's, like, my, like, least favorite Cure song, and it's the best part of the movie. So I think I watched, like, like, half of that movie on cable. It's so bad, you know? Like, the sewer doesn't smell that bad today. (laughs) But it's a bit of that, you know, just, like... Well, would you like to hear something I stumbled across for this song? I found a weird... (laughs) rabbit hole for this song when I looked it up because I didn't really have anything other than those two things from the Join the Dots and like Judge Dredd and then somehow I fucking stumbled across this song I read it real quick and uh, just bear with me and it, it was from Wikipedia so who the fuck knows maybe somebody's just like totally feeding bullshit into it but uh, but it was under the Wikipedia entry for Catch you know the fucking song Catch and it says the song lyrics for Catch um, so the song lyrics, as written by Robert Smith, were inspired when Robert Smith caught a broadcast of Sylvester Stallone's written film Rocky II, in which Rocky's wife, Adrian, falls into a coma during childbirth. In a desperate hope to revive his wife, Rocky writes a poem to Adrian, which at one point reads, 
and you and you kept trying to slip so I could catch you. This moment moved Robert Smith, and years later, when and wrote Catch apparently based on Rocky too. And years later, when Stallone caught wind of this story, he asked the Cure to write the theme song for the 1995 film Judge Dredd. Smith, being a longtime fan of the British comic series, immediately began work. It's like, fuck yeah, Sylvester Stallone asked me for Judge Dredd. Death. And the song became Dread Song. Doesn't end there. Shut this up. friendship began a friendship. Or this began a friendship. <laughs> and in 1998, both were to lend their respective voices to an episode of South Park that would serve as a sequel to the episode <laughs> Smith appeared in, in which Robert Smith saves the world from Mecha Streisand. The episode with Stallone, though, never came to fruition due to the actor's strike. But Trey Parker claimed... We were going to have Rambo on a crazy rampage in South Park, and the boys would be forced to once again call upon the amazing Robert Smith, but the whole idea got scrapped. <laughs> so, Shut what up. the fuck? Really? Robert Smith and Shut Sylvester Stallone are like up. pen pals based on Catch, so it forever ruined Catch, this beautiful song. <laughs> That's like one check. I was like, what? It's based off a of Rocky too? So, I don't know. Maybe it's true. Wikipedia. I, I can't. I, I can't even. <laughs> I can't accept any of that. Or? I can't even. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. I just can't imagine those two hanging out. I don't know. Call me crazy. Maybe it's me. Uh, but not, it all makes sense. Being open-minded enough. But yeah, it's so fucking weird. Who would just make that up and like plug that into Wikipedia? But we do live in weird times where maybe that was... Is this Some, a somebody's idea theory, or is I don't know. It That's the beauty of Wikipedia. Anyone can just type it in. So just like, wow, all right. Almost like shit. I should look up every Cure song. That's like a whole other podcast. It's just based on Wikipedia entries. I'll take but, it. I'll take it. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> that takes us. To the end of 95, there are a couple uh, miscellaneous things that during this, because 96 is when Wild Mood Swings finally does come out. Jesus, but uh, before we that get into that, a, a few. Time. Yeah. Before even getting into that, sprinkled in, apparently Robert Smith got into gardening. So that was a good amount of time that could be credited to gardening. Um, he is also spending heaps of times with his uh 20 plus nieces and nephews by that point uh he's got a huge extended family which i remember him talking about in an mtv interview when wild mood swings finally came out and so it could go a lot of nieces and nephews and apparently he would just pop in and like grab a b- bunch of kids and take them to euro disney for the weekend and be a good uncle uncle bob just having fun so uh that's pretty in, rad and he was in his early 30s mid yeah mid Mid, yeah, mid 30s, mid, mid 30s. So, yeah, he's still, you know, energetic mm. enough to, to get in there and do it. Um, and just the changing music scene, a lot of people credit, but I don't know. I'm, I feel like it's like Britpop's blowing up. These are all bands that we definitely were, you know, kind of getting into our like rocking phases of like stuff that influenced us a lot. But I mean, I feel like Blur and Oasis and Pulp, you know, are the huge ones that we you know, that were pretty prominent. Right. And I don't know. I don't think that's like a huge drastic jump from the cure, but a lot of people are like times had moved on in the four years and, and 
especially British pop music had forgotten about the cure and moved on. And, you know, maybe just cause everything was moving so fast in the nineties by that point, but yeah, it wasn't totally, like, dude. like, but I mean, it's a different landscape. Like yeah. if you look at like him and his Robert Smith in his early years and the cure in the early years, like, but, I mean, did they ever really and, fit with the and landscape, they got down though? On it and I mean, other than like Susie and New Order and shit, though, I mean, did they ever really fit with it? But they're active, like, <laughs> yeah, versus yeah. four years of doing nothing. Like, they were, yeah, active, I think that's like, that's yeah, that's the key like, word. Robert just, Smith got down on shit, he was active in his life, yeah, like, he was. I'm gonna quote Oprah. I wish uh-huh. I could remember op- some Oprah quotes, but Sounds like like you're about to. He was living his full life, man. Aww. Like back then, versus, or now? yeah, back then <laughs> versus <laughs> versus during that time period, like that four years, man. Like imagine, well, maybe. imagine going hard, living your full life, yeah, like for so long. And it yeah. slayed, and you were successful. And you mean musically. I mean, obviously, yes. he's probably way more fulfilled hanging out with his nieces and nephews at Euro yeah. Disney at this point than like, dealing with whatever the fuck NME has to say about anything. But, but if, like, if you're living your full life to that extent where you're pumping out records, like, yeah. your home life is fine. Yeah. Like, you can't do that without... Like, you can't do one without the other. Like, mm-hmm. when uh, this finally does come out in May, like, I mean, we're in our college, but also just first year out of col- or high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a pretty drastic new shift in time, you know? And I remember that just being epic to be like a sort of pseudo adult and like having this new yeah. Cure album coming out. And I definitely want to go into that more with the actual album and the personal attachment of like when it finally did come out it felt like it was the first cure album that i was like man i was just a little boy when wish came out now i'm like i'm fucking driving around and (laughs) and seeing the world and doing shit you know and it's just like obviously still yeah you know and it's like (laughs) so shit had moved on for us i mean whether it's true or not with the music scene or the world who knows but it's like i mean we had just entered a whole fucking different ball game by that point by 96 for sure and but even by the start of 96 like they were still having trouble and the huge final point on the pre-production of wild mood swings was <laughs> they ran out of time somehow still on it like and they had to outsource all the fucking mixes and that's why like a lot of the production stuff's weird and steve line and him kind of have like a you know where they went back and forth going like what why would you choose this He's song like, why would you I choose like this mix this is going yeah, nobody did, apparently. Well, what do you think of this? I guess it's technically we touched on it early on, but do you think now, seeing the full spectrum of those full years, do you think it's like, would this have been the same album if he had made it right after? Or do you think that, obviously, I mean, we know that like all the time affected these songs, but I mean, do you think it would have drastically affected it based on who was in the band? Could have Boris and Pearl and all, if it, the crew had stuck around? Would it have if he had these exact right. songs? I guess is what I'm saying. Would they have changed much, or would it still kind of been this kind of album? Or do you think it would have been like Wish 2.0 maybe or something? It's hard to say, you know. I don't. Think, you know what I mean? I don't think it would have happened. Yeah. Like I don't. You think it just would have been a totally different album? 
No, like well, that's an interesting question because I feel like that's a fucker, man. Like, because I feel like the main thing, and we'll go into with the wild mood swings again. So sorry for being redundant in the future, but like, like, what would (laughs) what would have they done? Yeah, (laughs) and it's weird though, because like one thing going through these podcast episodes that we touched on a lot was like how. Like, even when he was like, fuck it, Disintegration, this might be my solo album. But then everybody's like, no, we want to be a part of this. And then they all presented demos, too. You don't really hear too many stories of everyone else bringing shit to the table for this album the way they did. You know, it was like kind of from Head on the Door up. Head on the Door was pretty much all Robert. But then, like, Kiss Me and stuff, they, like, everything from Kiss Me Up, it was all, like, we're all just having fucking whole sessions of like demos and voting on demos and And, this and that. And and there's all these outtakes and talking about is just like, well, what would he do on his own? Yeah. This is what he does on his own. You know, it's like, it's not this orchestral fucking dramatic choral thing. Like, and it goes back to, the top argument, you know, and I, again, I'll harp on this more later, but it was like, that's kind of what everybody always said was the, Robert solo album that wasn't a solo album and it was like yeah because he was calling this all the shots second, but at the same time second solo album yeah, yeah. it was but he, at the same time he still wasn't really doing it all the way and you, he didn't even and, do it right and you, yeah and, and then you can't blame him because he's just being a good dude and he's still trying to make it a band you know and he's like it's kind of like that guy that's doing the right thing but he, if in a sense he probably should have just said fuck off to everybody probably would have been better you know because then he could have just you know i mean it was almost like he's getting some input but not enough and from the wrong people maybe you know what I mean? it's just like and i like the record so yeah that's something to take into it i don't know but and it was a time period when like shit was gnarly with like the music scene like and labels and stuff and like yeah, there's the a lot of shit going on. The fact he navigated, like, where there was <laughs> anything through that. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, all those terrible like, bands. All those terrible yeah. bands made so much money. It's fucked, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was so much horrible shit going on in 96 that like, we <laughs> can probably dig up during the Wild Mood Swings episode. But it's just like, good God, yeah. I mean, it was... It's kind of a, a ridiculous, magical time to have a Cure album. So, I mean, it was kind of like the big... And that's why, like, the sentimental value and the big sigh of relief when they finally did step in. And, and it was the next four-chapter year of, like, our lives, in a sense, where they did finally swoop in, you know, for better and worse of the actual content of the album. But, I mean, it's like... It's like I was... And, you know, like we talked about with Wish, like, how much is it sentimental and definitely more of it a fault of, like, just being sentimental attachment to wild mood swings but i mean yeah that's a huge album and like i was just so happy to have some good memories that we'll get into coming up soon but like you know it's like it was a good time and a bad time it was the best of times and the worst of times (laughs) so i mean i don't four years like it was the best of times (laughs) starting in 96 was all right that was different that's like a whole weird 96 to on. That's pretty good. Oh, it was like post years. high school. I had the best yeah. years of my life. In 96? Oh, God. Yes. You don't even remember those years. <laughs> I played in a band with you. I know you weren't having the best. <laughs> nah, I, I feel like 
I f- but they were better than the four years before that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they're that's all, all garbage, but <laughs> until the last much four years, like... that's good. You live in the moment. That's good. You know. <laughs> I know you don't have any sentimental attachment to anything, apparently. We've learned that on this podcast. I have no attachments to anything, much Just... like wild schmood swings. Uh, I'm glad that I you're so convinced that every day you become a better man and wiser. And it's like, like the fucking asshole I was back when we started this podcast. I'm like, really? That's like, like two years ago. I go in like but... fucking two-week cycles of... <laughs> Somehow you remember all that, but you can't remember the conversation we had yesterday about this fucking podcast. <laughs> That's why you hate the past so much. You can't remember anything that happened. And that is the Holy Hour podcast. We'll oh. catch you soon. Thanks so much to Donald for joining me through these horrible four years of 92 through 96. We'll see if the cure survives. We'll be joined hopefully by Chaz soon for the, uh, an official review of the actual album Wild Mood Swings. Until then, go back. Think of your life between 92 and uh, 96. Wasn't so fucking good, was it? Yeah. <laughs> we'll catch you soon. So thanks for listening. Woo! Signing off. Our card. If you would like to hear more riveting conversation about The Cure, like you just heard, be sure to subscribe to iTunes, and uh, you won't miss an episode. And then go on over to Instagram and follow the Holy Hour podcast, where you can find all the info, up-to-date info, feelers for upcoming episodes, and wonderful pictures of The Cure. And uh, if you want to contribute, drop me a line at gavinconnor at gmail.com. You can record your voice, talk in any random thought, send me an email, anything. We'd love to hear from you and get your two cents. If you just want to chime in on a thread about an episode, we have a Facebook page too. So find the Holy Hour podcast on Facebook. Be sure to check out our friend Chaz's website, 17secondshirts.bigcartel.com. We can find some super cool, unique, and affordable Cure shirts. And uh, you can also find those at remixgifts.com along with countless other cool Cure and non-Cure related products. And also check out Arusha's upcoming documentary, Push, a Cure Fan Documentary, at curefandocumentary.com. Again, special thanks to Donald for chatting with me and a special thanks to you guys for listening. Catch you soon. (laughs) 